the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for being with us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock today. Uh, it, in the uh, uh, on this Thursday, I should say, the twenty sixth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord twenty twenty. I always like to get that in at the top of every hour, just to remind you that we are indeed still blessed in this country. It is the year of our Lord, and God's got this. I give you a little inspiration this morning to start because uh, Dr. Everett Piper is filled with inspiration, and he's going to be our guest at 1010. One hour from now, we will talk to Dr. Everett Piper, the uh, former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, best-selling author and uh, uh, wonderful columnist. But he wrote a piece uh, for his uh, Washington Times column uh, just a couple of days ago that I found so extraordinarily inspirational, and I want to share it with you because it makes me feel good. And I want to use that as the subject of this monologue to an extent anyway. Oh, I should also point out our other guest coming up in half an hour. Sorry about that. Let's get you that part two. Uh, Jim Simpson, who is the director of Red Green Axis Exposed, is going to be joining us uh, along with Brandon Darby. Brandon Darby will be the keynote uh, speaker at an online webinar, a national security webinar coming up. Uh, uh, this weekend, and uh, Jim Simpson is going to be interviewing Brandon Darby on that event for the Red Green Axis Exposed. Brandon is the co-director, or excuse me, co-founder and director of Breitbart's Cartel Chronicles. We're going to talk about the ongoing issues at the southern border and tie that into whatever impact it may have on the issues we are facing here in this country with respect to our economy and the uh, Chinese coronavirus. So that is coming up at 9.35 this morning. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, and we want to get you registered to watch that event coming up Sunday as well uh, online. So uh, we got three great guests, two of them at one time, Jim Simpson, Brandon Darby, then Dr. Everett Piper. I want to kind of use a little bit of this, a little bit of this monologue to discuss hope um, and discuss positivity and just to discuss the left's 
insane Trump derangement syndrome, and I know that's a little bit redundant because that is insanity, um, but their constant attacks on Donald Trump for seeing the bright side of the story. Um, I was watching yesterday uh, just a number of, of television talking heads, and I don't criticize talking heads on television. I'm a talking head on radio. But just what they're doing on a number of different networks, criticizing President Trump for his unbound optimism. One of the reporters at yesterday's press conference actually said, you know, because the president is, by the way, can we get a little bit of a, a you know, a, a, a mild golf clap at least, everybody, for the extraordinary round-the-clock stamina that President Trump is showing Along with, by the way, not to not to suggest he's the only one, but along with members of the Coronavirus uh, Response Task Force, headed up by Vice President Pence, along with Vice President Pence and Dr. Fauci and and the uh, Deborah Burks and the rest of the members of the team, President Trump has just been literally the most transparent president and the most aggressive president in being involved in all of this that I think anybody could ever imagine. He's holding press conferences for a half an hour to an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, literally daily. He's answering everything that they throw at him. Now, some of them are not very nice. And he's trying to kind of stay dignified. But sometimes, like yesterday, he does go off and say, you know what, and and tell these reporters what he thinks of their constant negativity, particularly as it compares to his positivity. And I was watching another report last night, and then again I looked at it again this morning, um, about the uh, hydroxychloroquine and the chloroquine and how the president said just about, what, a week ago that he saw that drug as being a potential game changer. And he's being challenged by Peter Alexander of NBC you know, how do you know that? You know, there's no trials and there's no evidence or whatever. And he said, look, the doctors are saying it might work. It might not work. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Providing the optimistic point of view, the glass half full point of view, right? And the, the response from Peter Alexander was all negative and President Trump went off on him. And told him he's a terrible reporter, et cetera, et cetera. And then that's when CNN and the New York Times and others ran headlines talking about Trump expressing unauthorized optimism. <laughs> it wasn't unauthorized, but something in that vein. Basically saying, you know, how can the president try to be positive in all of this time of serious, serious strife and this health scare and the struggle? How can he be positive? Isn't that what we need more than any, he's not saying I'm going to be positive in the face of science that is negative. He is saying that when there is science that is giving us an indication that things may get better, when there is science that gives us a possibility, hell, even if it's a coin flip, that this could be the answer to helping people who contract a coronavirus, who get infected, that their symptoms 
and their breathing labors and all the other things that go along with it could be clipped from 14 days on average to five days if they use this uh, if this hydroxychloroquine and this chloroquine and this combination with the ZPAC antibiotics um, that that this is the answer if if science tells the president there's a shot here. We're getting some decent results in this. And by the way, hydroxychloroquine has been used and chloroquine has been used by people suffering from a number of things forever. It's been on the market forever, decades, and it's always been found to be healthy. It's not something that can harm you. The question is, does it hurt the coronavirus? Does it, you know, attack and, 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 you know, end the symptoms of coronavirus? And, and the answer is maybe. So President Trump errs on the side of, yeah, it could be there. And then he gets accused of giving false hope to Americans. And, and one reporter actually asked him, does your penchant for optimism on everything, seeing the optimistic side of everything, do a disservice to the people here? In other words, if you give them false hope, won't the failure of this drug, if it comes down to that, be even more devastating for them? And I find that to be just so counterproductive we look to our leadership for a reason to have hope not to be told it's hopeless especially when the signs are so promising are there were there guarantees that hydroxychloroquine was going to be the miracle cure no but were there Signs that it could indeed be the answer, the game changer, in terms of how to treat people and to shorten the symptoms and the suffering of those who do indeed contract the disease. Yes. So the president said glass half full, and the uh, the press said, no way. That's empty. That's half empty. You can see it's half empty, for crying out loud. Look at the top of that glass. Nothing in it. They just refuse to allow him to do anything to try to reassure the American people that we've got this. And then he says, optimistically, I would like to get the country reopened again and get us back to business uh, by Easter. He didn't say proclamation handed down. All businesses will return to work on Easter Sunday. He didn't say that at all. But the left wants you to believe that he is already tearing the boards off of the windows while the hurricane hasn't even reached the shore yet. And I'm borrowing that phraseology from Brandon Darby, one of our guests who's coming up. That is not what he said. He didn't say, and and by the way, even if the president does on Easter Sunday or thereafter say that, hey, I think it's time for us to get back to work. Let's uh, let's open up some of the loosen up some of the restrictions because it is a state's rights issue. These are governors making these decisions. These are mayors or county commissioners or county councils, et cetera, et cetera, who are making these decisions about what's going to be allowed to happen in their cities during this time. And whether or not they feel like it's it's okay to put people back to work, practicing good hygienic habits, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to be something the president can decree anyway. Mike DeWine doesn't have to listen to Donald Trump on Easter Sunday. Neither does Andrew Cuomo. Neither does Gavin Newsom. Neither does anybody else. But he is saying this is what he would like to see happen. Because America can't stay shut down forever. Let's hope that the conditions are right at that time for uh, 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 to uh, allow people to get back to work. So President Trump is being the optimist in all of this. The Democratic Party 
And the mainstream media, which is very redundant, I know, because they literally are one and the same, uh, they're doing everything they can to rain doom and gloom all over this country, knowing that the longer we have doom and gloom and the longer they do things like they just did, and that is delay the passage of that Senate relief bill, $2 trillion, for no reason whatsoever. It harms the economy just a little bit more. It gives people a little bit more of a reason to be uh, down and doomy and gloomy and then more reasons for them to blame Donald Trump and use this against him. And by the way, regarding last night's passage of that bill, once again, it took you know to the zero hour, if you will, for the Democrats to come around and say, okay, we'll sign, we'll agree, we'll vote on it anyway. And it, and it ended up passing unanimously 96 to nothing. They passed this $2 trillion bill for relief for the American workers, which is exactly what we should be doing. And they're going to, one of the reasons why they kind of slammed the brakes on it and tried to push through Nancy Pelosi's Green New Deal on steroids nonsense trash that was in her 1,600 page ready and waiting bill that she tried to say was coronavirus relief. Yeah, that's all this is. One of the reasons why is because they wanted credit. They wanted to have take credit for just as much of what's good in this bill as the Republicans were getting credit for. And the media was calling it, rightfully, the Republican majority wrote this thing, even though they did consult with and negotiate with Democratic members of the Senate. Uh, they were worried that the Republicans were going to get all, excuse me, all of the credit for that. And so one of the reasons they slammed on the brakes is just so I can say we're going to go down deep into the into the basement here and we're going to we're going to stay up all night if we have to 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 let everybody know that we worked really really hard on this too. We worked really hard on this and we got this bill done and that's what our job was. They wanted credit as much as anything else. Now why do I bring that up now? I bring that up now because of this. Sometime around October the month before the election on November 3rd. Do you know what the Democrats are going to do? They're going to run ads nonstop around the clock criticizing Donald Trump for blowing up the deficit and blowing up the um, uh, the uh, nas- national debt. They're going to say his spending is out of control. They just helped him and want credit for it in March to write a $2 trillion stimulus relief spending bill. But come the fall, they will rip him for the out-of-control spending. Watch and see, because this is going to blow up the debt, and it's going to blow up the deficit. Make no mistake about it, and we're going to have to deal with it. The economy is going to have to come roaring back, and tax revenues are going to have to come flowing in, and we're going to have to get uh, some of this some of this money back. But it's not going to all come back in time. Make no mistake about it; it's not going to all come back by November. And they're going to blame Donald Trump for blowing up the deficit when they themselves helped him write this bill, or helped the Republicans write this bill. That's what they want you to know. All right, there's a lot of ground here, I know, and uh, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. We're going to do our best to get all of the news to you this morning and get your analysis of it as well. Call me at 216-901-0945 if you have some analysis to offer. 888 over the spending bill, over the president, over negativity versus positivity, any of it. We'll take your thoughts on AM 1420, The Answer. It says it used to be a
right, 927 now. AM 1420, The Answer. Boy, what a shame I have to cut off that music. That's a very good bumper music song. <laughs> but it is what it is. We have a talk show to do. Uh, don't forget, coming up in uh, about eight minutes after the bottom of the hour news, we're going to talk to Jim Simpson and Brandon Darby. There is a an online national security webinar that is coming up on Sunday night talking about the ongoing threat at the southern border. Nobody pays attention to that anymore because of the uh, Chinese coronavirus scare, but uh, there are issues that need, be, need to be dealt with, and Jim and Brandon will be joining us to discuss. Then at uh, 1010, don't forget Dr. Everett Piper as well. Bob is in Middleburg Heights on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, hey, Robert, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Bob. Uh, first of all, I'm sickened by this $25 million going to this Kennedy Center here. Oh, uh, yeah. Who goes to that? I don't. Do you go there? I have no idea. Like an, what is it? It's there, an opera. Right? It's an opera center, right? Isn't that what it is? It's uh, isn't it just a place where I they do uh, they they do uh, they do shows that you got to be rich to you got to be rich to be able to buy a ticket to go to to an event there is all I know. <laughs> exactly, and and we're spending <laughs> taxpayers' money on this. Even these stadiums and all this this needs to stop. I think. Yeah, I agree. But, but you know what? Yeah, but you know need- what? But here's the thing. You know, if you're the Republicans who are trying to get this thing, thing through, the sad fact of the matter is that in, you know, uh, a bipartisan Congress, which you kind of have to have, you have to swallow some of the bad in order to get the good. And there was far, you know, too big of a need for Americans to get their relief now for the Republicans to hold that bill up over the Kennedy Center and one or two other, uh, you know, smaller things that the Democrats jammed in there. The most important things were out. The Planned Parenthood requests, uh, the diversity hires on boards, and all these other ridiculous things they did were gone. But they had to swallow some of it in order just to get the relief to the American people, and, uh, those and that's sadly what the swamp are, is all about. Well, those things are what need to be really emphasized come election time, of what they did, of what that party does. Not yeah. what Trump's trying to lead us through. What these people did while this catastrophe, or disaster, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is going on. I mean, this is just, it's ridiculous. No, it, it really is, Bob. I completely agree. And I th- and thanks for the call. I think Republican uh, PACs will run those spots, telling everybody what they tried to do during this terrible economic time. Uh, and I think that the Democrats are going to run spots saying, do you see what Trump did to the deficit? Look at, he blew it all up. Dan in Middleburg Heights. So, wow, we're heavy in Middle- Middleburg today. That's good. Hey, Dan, go ahead. I called you yesterday uh, comparing uh, the... Uh, uh, the the results of uh, just the standard flu every year, you know, compared uh-huh. to what this flu is, and I don't right. want to undermine the importance of, you know, quarantine quarantine people. You know, they're sick with this new virus, but nonetheless, right. these figures, in my opinion, just don't match up considering the political atmosphere concerning Trump. And to be very honest with you, I don't trust these doctors who who are members of organizations that are far left. If you take this Fauci person on the federal level he got all upset yesterday when somebody asked him a political question connecting china and the who and then i learned yesterday and i want you to look into this amy amy acton i knew from the beginning there's something wrong with the way she's shutting down everything in ohio that doesn't line up with the activity in ohio she did you know that from 2008 to 2016 as i understand that she served on the election committee of Barack Obama and is a close acquaintance and friend of his. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have reported on that, Dan, and uh, and thank you for the call. I'm going to get to our news. The um, uh, Dr. Fauci is not political. I don't think Dr. Fauci likes political questions because he just wants to do the medicine, and he has advised president, presidents since, I want to say, Reagan, 
I, I, I believe it's been that long. He has advised presidents, Republican and Democrat, without political persuasion. He's just a doctor, and I think that's what he does. And some people are still accusing him of overreacting to certain things, and that's fine. Everybody can have an opinion, but... I don't think every doctor is letting their medical opinion be clouded by politics. Some of them are. I think Dr. Acton, perhaps, is one of those. I don't think Dr. Fauci is. I think we've got to be uh, a little bit more discerning in how we criticize rather than painting with the broad brush on the doctors and how they see all of this. All right, it's 930. It's time for news. Right back on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 937 onward, we roll. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Jim Simpson, you know well by now, Jim Simpson has authored two books about the Red-Green Axis. By the way, he's also running for Congress in Maryland. The Red-Green Axis, Exposed, is a new organization headed up by Jim Simpson, as well as my friend Ann Ramada, shining a light on the threats we face from the far left, Marxists, socialists, communists, technocrats, and Islamist groups in the United States. They comprise the Red-Green Axis. He joins us once again this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Jim, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. Great to be with you. Good to talk to you, as always. We're looking forward to the upcoming webinar on Sunday night, in which you will be talking with our other guest now. Joining us is Brandon Darby, who is a co-founder and the director of Breitbart's Cartel Chronicles, which was the first to expose the humanitarian crisis on the U.S. southern border. Brandon, good to have you back on our program. It's been a little while for you. How are you, Brandon? Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate what you're going to do on Sunday night with respect to uh, updating people on the border security and national security implications of uh, the ongoing threat of Im- uh, illegal immigration on our southern border. Guys, before we go there, and Jim, uh, we'll start with you on this. I, 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 we got to talk about the elephant in the room, of course, and the coronavirus as yeah. it pertains to the border. This is just a surreal headline. Protesters in Mexico block lanes at Arizona border crossing to demand stricter coronavirus screenings. And then the text of the article, (laughs) protesters on the Mexican side of the border are trying to stop Americans from coming in and bringing the coronavirus with them. And this comes at a time... (laughs) <laughs> this comes at a time uh, in which uh, Mexico has kind of reached the third phase, they say. There are up to 475 cases in Mexico with six reported deaths. I just find that, you know, and you obviously found it funny as well. Uh, go ahead, Jim. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, it, it never fails to amaze. Just when you think they have crossed the borderline into utter insanity, <laughs> they... they, they, they they draw another line, you know, who on earth is heading into Mexico right now, and who on earth would want to pass through that line, you know, I mean, it's crazy, and we have to be careful about those people bringing uh, the disease in here, because I believe they already have, or that some have already been identified as carrying the virus, and, and on our side... The Democrats in Congress want to provide special services to them, keep all the people who would otherwise be uh, deported here, and let them all out of jail. I mean, That's right. let the criminal aliens out of jail, let all those people stay, uh, prolong the uh, deferred actions for childhood arrivals that fraudulent 
unconstitutional uh, executive order that Obama put on giving, uh, you know, amnesty to illegal alien younger people who are now in their 20s and 30s, uh, uh, allowing them to stay that much longer. So, you know, on both sides of the border, we have this leftist absolute insanity. Well, they're about to nominate are the Democrats, a man who during the debates said that there would be a moratorium on all deportations for 100 days and that nobody, as he said, would eventually be deported unless they were committing felonies in the United States. Brandon Darby, uh, let me bring you in on this. First of all, just the coronavirus part of this, too. Um, Last week, the U.S. and Mexico governments uh, agreed to restrict travel along the border, uh, limiting it to essential reasons, you know, reasons to cross medical emergencies and so on and so forth. Um, when Jim said a moment ago that they are bringing the disease here, I don't think he necessarily meant just Mexican migrants crossing that border, right, but no. from around the globe, quite frankly, that's what we're yeah. worried about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we have, you know, depending on the year, uh, we have anywhere from 70 to 100 nations, uh, people from 70 to 100 nations who show up at our southwest border and are apprehended as they try to sneak in between ports of entry. So that's definitely a concern. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that comes out of this uh, coronavirus pandemic is people begin to realize that there is uh, an important reason to have borders and there is an important reason for governments to be able to secure that border. One of the problems we have is, is that when it comes to our southwest border, we have stretches of that border that we do not have secure, nor do we possess the ability or the infrastructure right now to properly secure it, or we would have done it. We have vast stretches where we don't have camera systems. We're not flying enough UAVs. Um, we don't have roads for Border Patrol agents to get to the border, and people are able to get into very remote regions, especially in Arizona and then in parts of West Texas. Brandon, um, you mentioned the infrastructure and the resources. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to project here with this $2 trillion spending bill and the extraordinarily damaging, uh, uh, the damage that is being done to our economy and to the federal government and its resources because of the coronavirus response. When they start chopping uh, funds away from other uh, areas, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, not just the border wall, uh, but all border security measures. Um, how much danger are we in, and do you think that um, the president will sign anything that starts to remove protections uh, from the southern border, which, of course, has been one of the benchmarks of his presidency, and certainly from his candidacy. Uh, you know, we're, we're in trouble now. Uh, you know, money is drying up. We're printing money that we can't even back uh, because we have to for all of this right now. So do you feel like that the dangers at the border this coming migration season when the weather breaks uh, are going to be worse than even even they were last year? No, I, I don't think they will be. I, I think the potential exists, but uh, it really just depends on, on, on the circumstances. If, if we see a major, um, as it stands right now, uh, you know, the, the known cases in Mexico are much lower. They're probably much higher than just as they are in the United States. Uh, but there's, there are differences between us and what's going on south of our border when it comes to health care. Um, so if we look at Central America, um, 
for instance, if we look at the nation south of Mexico, if they begin to have a massive uh, uh, spread, uh, community spread of, of coronavirus, and people begin to flee because they, they're really going to lack the, the facilities and the ventilators and uh, the equipment that's needed to, to take care of people, if they begin to flee into Mexico and that spreads the disease further, and those people then begin to flee north, then we're going to have a very serious crisis. Um, and I think that the country will find the money uh, to, to deal with that. But I think a lot of, a lot of the, um, the response here and a lot of the preparations are really trying to get Mexico to secure its southern border, uh, which Mexico's been doing a better job at. I mean, obviously, if you're a transnational criminal organization, uh, we call cartels uh, colloquially, uh, you're able to get around that uh, security, right? Um, but especially in Mexico, where most politicians and most officials are corrupted by, by drug cartel dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, uh, it's really going to be, a lot of it's going to be on uh, trying, to, trying to keep Mexico to, to, to slow down the flow of people into its country, the mass numbers which then makes it easier for our Border Patrol agents and our security apparatus on the southern border to deal with, you know, the people who do cross because there's fewer of them. Brandon Darby is our guest. He is the uh, co-founder and the director of Breitbart's Cartel Chronicles. He is with Jim Simpson, uh, who is the uh, 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 director of uh, the Red Green Axis Exposed Organization. Jim, let me go back to you for this. Um, how big of a win was it for President Trump and for the sovereignty and security of this country by way of that border when the Supreme Court ruled in the president's favor that the stay in Mexico policy or remain in Mexico policy while waiting for asylum status to be determined uh, was upheld as constitutional? Well, you know, like pretty much all of the uh, cases that have finally gotten to the Supreme Court, they have... uh, upheld his right to do this and you know i mean in my mind anyway uh those responses are obvious and none of those cases should have ever gotten that far because really the uh judges who are imposing these unconstitutional nationwide injunctions against every single thing donald trump tries to do uh on the border uh, it, it, it's just it's beyond their uh, scope it's beyond their legal authority and all of those things I, I mean they're they're of course big wins that he is able to do what the law already authorizes him to do but it shouldn't even be a case in the first you know in the first place shouldn't even be happening but the reason it does is because we have so many judges who are really not judges they're left-wing activists you know put in place by obama by president clinton and unfortunately in some cases even by president bush jim simpson and brandon darby are going to be hosting uh and uh, giving an online webinar national security event coming up on sunday night uh as a part of red green access exposed if you want to watch this and why wouldn't you we're all locked in our houses like house cats anyway uh why not watch this and learn just a little bit more uh and if you want to do that you have to get the link by sending an email to dan ramada at rga at 
eaglefiremail.com. So I'll give that to you again when we're done here, but RGA, which stands for Red Green Axis, at eaglefiremail.com. They'll send you the link to watch this via Zoom and learn a little bit more. Brandon, can you give us a little bit of an update or an idea, a little preview of what uh, the uh, theme is going to be for Sunday night? Yeah, we're going to talk about illegal immigration. We're going to talk about cartels. Uh, We're going to talk about coronavirus and the impact that that's having on cartels. Um, Just across the board, we're going to talk about issues pertaining to our southern border, pertaining to um, illegal immigration, and pertaining to the the criminal organizations who drive that, uh, that issue at our border. Do you think it's being put on the back burner now? And I know you're going to talk about it. And we—that's one of the first reason. I, the reason I asked you the first question is about coronavirus and the border. But because of the national scare and the economy and so on and so forth, I feel like there are a lot of other things that are being ignored, and that includes illegal immigration, which continues to be an extraordinary problem for a ton of reasons, not just you know economic impact, but uh, and the absorbing of resources by uh, unchecked illegal immigration. But as you point out, the cartels sending just mountains of drugs across the border as well as human trafficking as well as gangs and so on and so forth coming across do you feel like that that this the time might be kind of ripe for for you know a bigger rush at the border since we're paying a little bit less attention to it um no i i think that the larger issue right now is that temporarily the agencies that we rely upon uh, the law enforcement agencies that we rely upon and the intelligence uh, agencies that we rely upon to keep Mexican cartels in check. And, and I don't think that they keep them in check enough. That's not my mm-hmm. argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but the agencies that we rely upon are all affected by the coronavirus, right? So you're going to have less DEA uh, interactions, less uh, SBI interactions, less HSI interactions. They're going to be working on fewer cases right now which is kind of giving a pass to cartels. There's not much we can do to get around that uh, temporarily. Uh, And we're already seeing, you know, a lot of the precursor chemicals for the drugs that Mexican cartels create uh, come from China. And we're already seeing Mexican cartels hire chemists and begin manufacturing their own precursor chemicals, which is a much greater problem and makes it much more difficult to deal with them in the future. So I think the coronavirus has made cartels in Mexico actually set them up to be much stronger and a much greater problem uh, for our country uh, in the near, in the coming year. Jim Simpson, we're just about out of time to give you the uh, last opportunity here to kind of set up the webinar for Sunday night. Well, first of all, uh, you know, Brandon uh, uh, is not going to, uh, um, brag about his uh, activities, but I've got to tell you, I've known Brandon since uh, uh, almost 10 years, and he's one of the bravest people I know. He has gone into those towns that have been devastated by the Mexican cartels, you know, entire families burned alive in their homes and things like that, and he's filmed it, and he's talked about it, and i got to tell you, you put your life in your hands just by walking into towns like that. So he's done a lot of amazing stuff. He also works with Brian Colfide on We Build the Wall, which is a great organization. And uh, so you want to hear some really interesting stuff, you should uh, tune in, because Brandon is one of those 
unsung heroes that, that most people don't know, but he's really done some amazing work, and he also runs Breitbart Texas, which has, you know, does fantastic reporting uh, about the border. Well, that is, uh, you're exactly right. Brandon Darby and uh, the, his colleagues at Breitbart have, uh, Breitbart have done amazing work. There's no question about it, and I'm so glad you're going to have him on. So, again, to all of our listeners who want to be a part of this and watch Brandon and Jim Simpson break all of this down from every angle of illegal immigration, the uh, problems at the southern border, and the impact of the coronavirus spread on all of the above, uh, you got to send an email to rga at eaglefiremail.com. That's rga at eaglefiremail.com to get a link to watch the presentation, Red Green Access Exposed uh, webinar on Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. Brandon Darby and Jim Simpson, thank you both very much for your time, and I look forward to seeing you guys uh, in the event on uh, Sunday night. Hey, thanks, Bob. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you both, gentlemen. Thank you. All right, 953, we got to get out so we can come back in again on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 957, short segment here, so let's just get a couple of points in. We were talking prior to the uh, conversation with Jim Simpson and Brandon Darby about what's in. A caller brought up what's in the bill. He mentioned the $25 billion for the um, Kennedy Center, et cetera, and that's true. That is in the bill. But in this final agreement last night uh, between Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans, and again, they voted 96 to nothing to send this to Nancy Pelosi, which should, by the way, preclude her from doing anything to stop it. She has no leverage now, uh, now that it was unanimous on the Senate side. But um, it didn't get rid of all of her pet projects that she wanted to put in through her personal version of this uh, legislation that had nothing to do with coronavirus relief. But most of it is gone, gone from the stimulus bill are mentions of any mandatory early voting, any ballot harvesting, any requirements that federal agencies review their usage of minority banks and attempts to curb airlines' carbon emissions. You know, that's part of the Green New Deal. Uh, that's a big-time Pelosi demand. Um, uh, what's not in the bill is also uh, some other things on her wish list, uh, mentions of diversity, you know, requiring certain diversity uh, uh, hires for boards on any uh, boards of uh, companies that take any money from the stimulus relief bill. Uh, zero mentions of emissions, early voting, like I said, climate change, all that stuff is gone. But they did manage to slip a few things in Republicans had to swallow hard and vote for in order to get the best and most important part, which is relief for the American people done. For example, page 524 of the bill text, it says that many businesses that take a government loan would be obligated to remain neutral in any union organizing effort during the loan, which is a major giveaway to unions. So that was something that Pelosi and her ilk stuck in there. Page 781 of the bill, which is roughly 880 pages, down from the 14-plus 100 pages that uh, Pelosi had written or had cobbled together. Page 781 provides $25 million to Democrat-controlled House of Representatives to cover their salaries and expenses. That's right. Somehow, some way, Nancy was able to get all of the members of the House extra money to cover their salary and expenses. I thought their salary and expenses were already covered 
But why did they have to take money out of the pockets of Americans to do that? But that was one of Nancy's add-ons. And uh, finally, as we talked about, $25 million, Oh, sorry, $25 million, not billion. Let's be clear about that. Still allocated for the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, that's not good. President uh, Trump said he understood the provision was necessary because Democrats demanded some concessions in order to get the stimulus bill passed, even though it galled some conservatives, as obviously it should, because the Kennedy Center has nothing to do with the coronavirus or stimulating the economy. It is an absolutely, it is absolutely a pet project that should not have been funded by this bill. But that's what the Democrats demanded. So my response to that is this. As we head to the news, I want every voter whether they be Republican, Democrat, or moderate, and more importantly, the moderates and independents, you remember that, that when America was on the brink and the economy is collapsing, all as a result of this uh, worldwide uh, virus that started in Wuhan, China, the Democrats' priorities were funding the Kennedy Center. You keep that in mind come November. Dr. Everett. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.